With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, everybody, to Talk Nerds to Me Radio. It is February 17th, 2020, at 6 p.m. Pacific Time, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. My name is Megan, and I am here with the ever-lovely Kristen. What's up, Kristen? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm, like, 90% recovered. So now I definitely sound like a girl. And we'll probably not be able to have to. Yeah, so uh, coming back. And I probably won't have to meet myself to cough, which is great. So progress is being made in the name of sickness. Well, welcome, everyone. It is Monday, um, and we are talking about uh, books and television this this week. Next week, we'll be doing music and movies. Um, so we're going to talk about some news that's going on in both the TV um, as well as the book world. And then we'll look at the charts. And then we're going to get to our main discussion, which is talking about monumental uh, fictional characters in novels. So that's the plan. Are you ready, Kristen? I'm ready. Let's do this. All right. So for television show of the moment, these are TV shows on either streaming or cable that me and Kristen have watched that we either want to warn you against or we want to encourage (laughs) you emphatically. Um, so Kristen, what have you been watching and is it a warning or is it a recommendation? This is a recommendation. Um, it's a brand new show on ABC called for life starring Nicholas Pinnock. Is that how you say his name? I don't know. Um, he's a great actor though. Um, it's about a guy who used to run a club and I guess he hung with the wrong people, drugs and stuff, um, out of his club. And he got arrested and put into jail for life. Um, So he's serving a life sentence. He had a wife and a kid. um, And the the first episode takes place seven years after he got put in prison. Um, He is now a lawyer. I guess he did his schooling and stuff in there. And he is allowed to represent other inmates who need proper, I guess, uh, representation. Um, So... It's it's really good. Uh, he it recomm- he talks about how his reasoning for doing it is because he thinks that the system is dirty and he wants to point that out. So he take he takes cases that can show that the people that put him away mm-hmm. also put other people away um, for the wrong reasons, um, you know, or gave them too strong of uh, charges or right. didn't look into things properly and it's such a good story because it I've only seen the one episode but it showed uh his struggles representing people from the inside because like you have no freedom you have no control so like your bus mm-hmm. can be delayed to the courthouse and you miss something or other people have full access to your witnesses and you don't have full access to your witnesses um yeah things like that and I just, I really, really liked it. I'm only obviously one episode in because that's all that's been on air, but it's it's really good so far. Very cool. So there's enough to be intriguing and complex, um, which is hard to do. The first episode is usually when you're like, I don't know, I still don't know because it's usually backstory. So it's cool that you are super intrigued, you know, it's one episode in. 
Right, exactly. Well, that was definitely on my list of things to check out because it looks really good based on the previews. Um, as for my television show of the moment, it's a Netflix series, so you can binge the whole season if you wish, just like I did this weekend. It was like one of those things that started off innocent where I'm just going to watch a couple of episodes. Then it was like, no, I'm not going to sleep until I finish the whole thing. That's what happened with the show. Um, it's called Lock and Key. Um, and apparently, I didn't know this, but after I started looking at things up about it, it's based on a comic book series. Um, and it's oh. a, and I didn't know that. So when I was watching it the first time, everything was really intriguing and I had absolutely no idea what was going on. I had so many questions. Uh, but basically what the premise of the story is, uh, a family moves from Seattle um, to the father's childhood home because he died. And the kids start to discover the many secrets that the father had and the magic of this particular house, which is called the key house. And the house is filled with these keys that can do some massively magical things like go in someone's head. You can like open a door and then go to anywhere you want. Um, and there's other keys as well. And the, it's a very dark show. I would say that the, the, the villain in it is pretty ruthless. The mystery is really intriguing. It ended on a very frustrating note. So I'm really hoping there's a second season because I have so many questions about so many things that it just, it was a show that blew your mind. So if you're really into mystery, uh, thriller, fantasy kind of shows, it's a really good show. So I definitely recommend that on Netflix um, called Lock and Key. You know, I hadn't, um, I was curious what it was about, so I'm glad you talked about it because everyone's been talking about it, and I'm like, I don't even know what this is about. <laughs> it's like, it's it's so good. Like, And the characters are really complex, and there's just a lot of philosophical elements in it as well. There's like, it's kind of like what you were saying with The Four Life. You watched that episode, and it made you ask really bigger questions about the justice system and how it all works and all that. It's It's... It's a show that has multiple layers, and it's really well acted, and I feel like it was really well put together, too. So I can't wait for the second season, because so many questions. So please, Netflix, get on that. Thank you. Yeah, uh, but for you guys, <laughs> definitely watch it so you can be just as frustrated to know what happens next as me, <laughs> in a very good way. All right, so it looks like it was a good week for television shows for the both of us. Both of us. We're intrigued by two things. Um, yep. So we have a, a few news um, stories to kind of go over that have to do with the book and television world. Um, a couple of days ago, Lynn Cohen, who played Magda on Sex and the City, um, who was honestly probably my favorite character of the entire Sex and the City series, because all the girls made me angry at various times. But Magda was just a steady, amazing person throughout <laughs> the whole series. Um, she also starred in a lot of other things as well, like Munich, um, The Hunger Games, Catching Fire, Eagle Eye, um, as well as other things. Um, she died at 86, and there's been a lot of outpouring of from fans and from um, her coworkers um, for her passing. Did you ever watch Sex in the City? You know, I didn't. Um, but I watched all the movies. I liked the movies, so I used to tell myself, oh, you should watch the shows, and I just haven't, so I don't know why. It was one of those things where I had a roommate and we made a deal. So, like, I had to watch Sex in the City, and then I made her watch something that she would normally watch. So it was more like a forced thing for me. But, it, it like, there's it, – it's <laughs> you can definitely get caught up in it, but it, it definitely was not necessarily my cup of tea. But Magda was always amazing. Um, another news story that I just wanted to bring up just, just because I want to tell Kristen that we're trendsetters. So we did that show about pop music, that we were analyzing pop music and what it was and why it was important and all that. And I was listening to NPR, and it was highlighting a book that I had no idea existed that was basically our conversation um, about uh, pop music. I know. That's basically me in the car. I almost got into a car accident. It was horrible. But I survived, (laughs) and we're awesome. (laughs) That's only that matters. So the book is called Switch on Pop. How Popular Music Works and Why It Matters by Nate Sloan, Charlie Harding, and Irish Gottlieb. Um, So we talked about it. NPR followed us. 
we will be suing, except we totally won't be. Because sometimes we have the same ideas at the same time and lawyers are expensive. But we are amazing because we did it for you. We are amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. And lastly, uh, Disney Plus announced, it's been kind of in the buzz for a long time, but officially announced that they are bringing back Mighty Ducks for a TV series. Um, Amelia Estevez uh, is returning for his Coach Bombay role. It is happening. There is photos. It looks like filming is going to be um, starting pretty soon. Uh, there's no date on when when it will be streaming on Disney Plus, but it's definitely coming our way. So, what do you think about this news? Oh, I'm super excited because I love Mighty Ducks, but. Me too. It's kind of crazy because everyone's like, oh, the whole crew is signed on. And I'm like, first of all, which crew? Like, are the Smash <laughs> Brothers involved? Because they were my favorite. Um, and I'm really sad that there's absolutely no chance in the world that Goldberg is going to be involved because he was just in the news the other day. They're not good things. Goldberg is, is going through some things. But yeah, I do think... I do think people will be making cameos. I definitely think that they will be focusing on the newer generation of Mighty Ducks. It's going to be one of those things that try to bridge both both generations, the new one, and make us millennials happy. Um, but it, I am super scared. As any, with anything with reboots, it's always like, yes, I want to see it, that nostalgia factor. And then there's also that fear factor that's like, please don't mess it up. Please just don't. Like, don't have Coach Bombay, like, eating kale or something. Like, don't. Can you imagine? Um, (laughs) Oh, God. I don't think he would. But you never know with with these reboots. Weirder things have happened. All right, so let's go on to book updates. So we're going to start off with the New York bestsellers um, when it comes to combined print and e-books on fiction. So, Kristen, what's going on in the fiction world? Um, there's actually a couple new ones here and some oldies. Um, so first we got Golden in Death by J.D. Robb. Um, I'm a fan of J.D. Robb. Uh, her books are great. Um, mm-hmm. And you should all read them. I especially consumed. That's my favorite. Yeah. Um, so that's brand new this week. Uh, Crooked River by Douglas Preston and Lincoln Child. That is also new this week. Um, so the top two books are brand new. Uh, and then third is American Dirt by Janine Cummins. Um, third week on the list, and it's been in the top five all three weeks. Um, I'm interested in checking that one out. The fourth one is one we've known for a while, uh, where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens. It is now 74 weeks on the New York Times bestseller list, and a lot it of those in the top five. Yeah. It's a great book. I read it last year. Um, and then The Museum of Desire by Jonathan Kellerman is in fifth place. So that's one through five. We got a couple new ones, a couple old ones. Um, and uh, The Museum of Desire is also, I believe, third, it's in its third week on the list. So some okay, good books. Cool. So, um, I have a clarifying question, though, because you said that you really like J.D. Robb's writing, and I was just wondering what it is about J.D. Robb that you love so much. So, okay, J.D. Robb writes the Black Dagger Brotherhood series. Um, she has two mm-hmm. different writing pseudonyms that she goes by. Um, but uh, I had never read the books. I had been told to read Black Dagger Brotherhood for a long time, but I was like, no, it sounds very like sci-fi fantasy. It's not my jam. Uh, but last year, I believe it was last year, she released a book called Consumed, and it was a firefighter series. And it, so it was like a mystery book as well. Um, and so I was like, I'm going to read this. And I did a review on it um, for the publisher. And seriously, one of the best books. It was so good. It had a little bit of romance, some mystery, and firefighters. Who just love firefighters? Um, it was just such a good book. Um, really good writing. Like characters, she develops them really well. Um, but also leaves you, I like writers that, tell you the character but leave it mm-hmm. enough where you get an image of the character in your head on your own as well like I, you have this picture gotcha. in your head so if, yeah. if they were to cast that book I would be like yes that's exactly what I pictured or no that's not based on the description yeah. like it's well enough where you form a picture but not so much where it's like to the T so 
everyone might have a slightly different image in their head. Understood. That's awesome. All right. So in the <laughs> fiction, um, the nonfiction combined print and eBooks, there was quite a few um, things shifting around since last time I did it. A lot of political books in general. Uh, so let's start with number five. So number five is a book that I purchased, but I have not read it. Um, it's called Why We're Polarized by Ezra Klein. It's the second week on the list. Um, Ezra Klein, in case you didn't know, he speaks a lot on MSNBC. He's also the editor at large for the and co-founder of Vox, um, which is a website um, that explains a lot of really complex political things, and there's lots of political news stories on there as well. And it's basically his take on what causes divisions in America and why those divisions seem to be getting bigger and larger and some of the theories as to why that could be. Um, so I'm super fascinated in that because when it comes to polarization and partisanship, um, that is basically one of my pet projects because I'm trying to understand that myself. Um, so number four is Educated by Tara Westover. It's 103 weeks on the list, mostly in the top five. It's basically the nonfiction of where the crawdads sing. Just always there. Number three, nice. um, Profiles of Corruption by Peter Schweizer. It's the third week on the list. Um, it basically chronicles um, and evaluates members of the Democratic Party. Uh, a couple of things that you should know about this is that Peter Schweizer is the editor um, at large for the far-right media organization Breitbart, which does have connections with neo-Nazis. So just in case you wanted to know that, I do think that's important. Uh, number two, A Very Stable Genius by Philip Rucker and Carol Linning. Um, third week on the list, it's, uh, they are Pulitzer Prize winning journalists from the Washington Post, and it's their firsthand accounts to chart patterns of behavior with the Trump administration. Obviously, the title, A Very Stable Genius, is a quote that Donald Trump said about himself, and it's a play on that, so you can kind of get, you could probably predict the tone of that book based on that title it most likely is going yeah. to have a anti-President uh, uh, President Trump leaning. Number one is Open Book by Jessica Simpson. Um, this is her autobiography um, where she discloses times of success, trauma, um, and addiction. So that is what's going on in the nonfiction world. Oh, Kristen, is there some interesting new book releases that are coming up? Unlikely. No, I'm just kidding. Um, there's actually a <laughs> no, few. No um, there, there's a lot, and so I just I narrowed it down to a couple that sounded good. Um, one of them is The Upside of Falling by Alex Light. It's from Harper Teen. This comes out uh, tomorrow. and All three of these come out tomorrow, actually. <clears throat> and uh, this one is about a girl named Becca Hart. She is 17 years old and jaded already by a previous relationship <clears throat> and does not believe in love. Uh, this is why you don't she, her, Right. <clears throat> she is uh, popular, and her friends tease her because she's not dating. And uh, there's a high school captain of the football team, popular dude, Brett Wells. He only wants to think about his future. He's not really interested in the whole dating scene. Uh, but again, friends picking on him. So they decide to pretend to be a happy couple to get their friends off their back. And I'm sure you can guess what's going to happen with that. They fall in love. Because it's predictable. <laughs> um, uh, the next one is Miss You, Love You, Hate You, Bye by Abby Cher. I um, love that this type. One, me too. I was like, what is this? Um, it's about Zoe and Hank. Um, Hank is short for Hannah, uh, nickname. They're best friends. They've been best friends since kindergarten. Um, Zoe is a leader. They're they're pretty popular. She's the lead group. She, um, Hank kind of hides in the middle, invisible, you know, goes along with everything. Um, and then Zoe's parents divorce, and she starts to struggle badly, and she develops an eating disorder, and she starts to lean heavily on Hank to help her and lead their group. And this is a big deal because Hank is uncomfortable being in the spotlight. And so it's all about can she help her friend? Um, can she gather the strength to be that person that her friend needs? Um, is she strong mm -hmm. enough to lead those people? Um, how is all that going to affect her? Um, so that one I thought sounded, it sounds unique. It sounds like something 
authors don't tend to write about eating disorders yeah. and depression and things like that. So that's awesome. And then this one is not something I would typically read too much, but I like gymnastics. It's called Break the Fall by Jennifer. I don't know how to say his name. It's I A C O P E L L I. I Capelli. Okay. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, so it's about a gymnastics team. This girl, she makes it. She's fresh off from a year ago from a final surgery that could have ruined her career, but she's made the team. The team's going to the Olympics, and then some scandal, big drama affects their team right before and it's all about them trying to hold it together to like make their dreams come true and I thought it sounded kind of intriguing because I like reading about I like watching gymnastics I like reading about it so it sounded good so those are my three recommendations I know that's the only thing I'm like even if I didn't want to read it now I have to read it because I need to know (laughs) yeah because it has to be super big like are they dope and they're right I'm not gonna read it (laughs) find out tell me right (laughs) Um, yeah. So, Kristen, what is your personal recommendation? So, these are the things that are coming out, uh, but what is something that you read that you think that the whole world should really pay attention to? I think I've recommended this before, um, but it was a previous book because I'm in the process of working my way through the series. Is um, mm-hmm. I call it the Perfect Series. I don't know if that's what it's actually called, but it's the Perfect Series by Helen Fields. Um, all of the books start with perfect something, uh, perfect crime, perfect kill, perfect I- murder. <laughs> Perfect silence. It's safe to say that the, it's the safe, perfect series. The perfect if it's not, it, I'm, it should. We should be no <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Um, I'm currently on book five. It's called Perfect Crime. Uh, I will say book four has been my favorite one. I just finished that like a week and a half ago. Um, before it was my favorite, it took over book one because book one was my absolute favorite. And then it went two, three was kind of myth. Four beat out one, and now five's pretty good. So uh, mm. I'm like 40% into book five. The books are just um, it's a, it's the Di Kalanick series is which it's on her website, which is such a boring name. It needs to be the perfect series. Uh, but Di Kalanick, <laughs> he is a he is a French detective who has moved to Scotland and is part of their task force for murders and. Um, you, you, we've gotten to know the crews at this point uh, through all these books I've read and his character is just really cool um, I don't know what it is uh, I like murder mysteries uh, I like cop murder mysteries where you're viewing it from the cop's point of view and D.I. Kalanick is different because it's fun um, and I also read the book and I hear everyone talking in a Scottish accent which is interesting um, so it's just fantastic series if you like mystery thrillers um really good stories detailed um really good characters and you it will keep you guessing i promise because i have yet to guess the book ending and i'm on the fifth one so (laughs) shame on me it definitely sounds like a really interesting series and it is is there plan to write more or is she stopping after six you know well Six just came out literally mm-hmm. like two weeks ago. I'm a little behind because I'm, I'm reviewing that, but I had to get through five. Um, so yeah. I'm finishing five in the next few days. I'll read six. Um, and that one just came out. So I haven't heard that she doesn't plan on writing more. And like, okay. said, they're really good books and people are buying them. They're, you know, she makes the, the bestseller list. Um, so I, I'm hoping she continues to write. It's probably because she can't think of anything that's more intense than the perfect kill. Like, where do you go from there? Like, that's I know. And that's perfect, perfect title, the genocide. perfect kill. <laughs> <laughs> there's your title. Now there's going to be books up. Right. <laughs> All right. Very cool. So, any updates uh, for the book club um, that we should know about? Uh, we're in the middle of reading The Starless Sea by Erin Morgenstern. I'm going to say my cohort for the book club, Elizabeth, is she loves this book. She read it in like three days. Um, she's in <laughs> charge of questions. She, read, she, she posts all of her questions for us. She loved it. All of our book club people are struggling on the struggle bus. I will say this book is laid out 
very weird. It's instead of chapters, there are six mini books inside the book. And each of those have their own chapters, but they're not numbered. So it's just like a little symbol at the top of the page. You know, it's a new chapter. Um, So it was really hard to break down. So the questions this month are broken down by book. Um, So twice a week we post questions regarding whichever book we're on at that point. Um, So that is happening. It is a fantasy novel. um, So it's not too late to jump in and read. We still got plenty of time. And uh, our voting for Mark's book will start on the 20th. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I don't know, Sunday this week. (laughs) It will happen. It will happen eventually. Very cool. All right. So now we're going to transition to our main discussion, which is monumental characters. So how I foresee this discussion going is we will define terms because that's just the way I do things. Um, And then we will talk about some of our favorite characters. A lot of people put on their favorite characters. I would say the majority of people who gave me feedback on either Twitter or my Facebook it wasn't like they gave me a character. They gave me, like, 20. Um, so, like, so I tried my best to uh, make it as diverse as possible without having to, like, list 60 names. So that was that. So we'll talk about that. And then I think it would be super cool at the end if me and Kristen kind of did, like, the superlatives of our fictional character. You know, like, at the end of high school, it's, like, one voted uh, voted best dress. But do that with fictional characters, like, who, which fictional character would you like to bail, to save you from a hard situation? That kind of thing. So I'll do that towards the end if we have time to do so. So, Kristen, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. I'm nervous. So, oh. Is it because I asked you if you're ready? I guess I'm like, wait, am I ready? I think so. I think as soon as I say that, it turns into who wants to be a millionaire opposed to, like, a discussion about books. I should stop doing that. All right. So what makes a monumental memorable character? Because I was going through a lot of the lists at magazines and newspapers, and a lot of the same characters show up time and time and again. Um, So what do you think, in your personal opinion, what makes a monumental memorable character? Um, I think that it's got to be somebody that takes, like, reaches in and touches a part of your soul when you're reading, um, for monumental. Like, they have to do something that you think you feel is big, and that can be bad or good. Um, a monumental (laughs) character, most people are like, oh, it's got to be someone who, like, saved the slaves or you know, rescued everyone or stood up for women's rights. But there are characters I feel like are bad and they're just like, they're just so good at being bad that they're also monumental. Um, For sure. So I think it's just definitely, they have to have some type of emotional connection with the reader um, to a level greater than others. Like I love Lisa Gardner books, but I wouldn't call Dee Dee Warren a monumental character to me. Um, Mm Mm-hmm just because she's just a fun character to read but there are other characters where you're like oh I just I loved what they stood for I loved how they they were written I loved how they acted in the book there's just I think it's that there has to be some strong connection to that yeah no I totally agree I think monument I think monumental memorable characters are have to be characters who are complex um, I think relatable in some way or completely unrelatable in like a really good way. Like, like, like you said, like a villain that just kind of captures your imagine imagination and, and hits all that scary, uncomfortable levels of good villain. Um, and obviously it has to be something that also can have longevity, meaning it's my favorite character at five and my favorite character at 10 and my favorite character at 20. Um, it's a character that is, is sticks with you long enough for it to be, okay, this is a character that wasn't just a phase. It was a character that, that really did have a huge impact on me. Um, 
that's what I picture when I think of monumental characters. Um, I can feel so. That. Yeah, so I obviously there was a lot of so when I was looking at lists, it was a lot of like the characters of the books that we were forced to read in high school, like the really iconic like, and I'm like, are they iconic because they are iconic, or are they iconic because everyone's forced to read it in high school? Um, and so I started to really break down that list, and I was curious to see if our list, as well as the list of the people who um, recommended characters to mention on the show, if those lists overlap or if they look very different. And they look very different. Um, obviously, we have no characters from Moby Dick, which is, um, which I saw. A you read Moby Dick in high school? <laughs> no, it's on the iconic. Oh. Ishmael oh. is on the iconic character list of all time. <laughs> And that's what I mean. It's like, oh. is it iconic because we were forced to read it, or is it iconic because they're iconic? And I, I so I wanted to really separate those narratives um, and really look at it. And there wasn't a lot of overlap between what newspapers and magazines and what book clubs often say is iconic. Um, so I, I think the personal touch is always nice. So both me and you have characters from Harry Potter that we mentioned. Yeah. So I think we should start there. Okay, so who are your Harry Potter just can't, just monumental characters, and just a couple things about why you chose them? There's probably more than this list, but I tried not to pick too many characters from Harry Potter for different (laughs) reasons. Um, But my first one was Hermione Granger, and I've always been a Hermione fan, and I get that she can be a little annoying at times, because people were like, really, Hermione? And um, but my reasoning is Hermione Granger gave little girls the impression and the voice and the drive to realize that it didn't matter if you were in a man's world, you could still stand out. Um, before, mm-hmm. that was a big thing. Before all these movements and equality and Emma Watson who played Hermione Granger um, is big in that the the equality movement with women and but when she was little I don't think that was the forefront of her mind she was just like I'm playing Hermione Granger I'm this 11 year old girl and this is the role I'm playing but I don't think she realized at that point that there were going to be so many little girls that were going to watch her character and be like oh look in this world where she's surrounded by these boys who are expected to be great she's standing yeah. out she's the one they're leaning towards for help and that continued throughout the series so I think that was a big thing in Harry Potter at least for me and then mm-hmm. my other one and I know we've had many uh, debates about this man was Severus. which is why he's so I, yes I love his character because I still think that Snape he he was a terrible person at one point, but I think Snape also embodies that that hope that you can make terrible choices and still turn your life around. Even if you don't feel at all times like you're a better person, I'm sure there were, I know there were many a times when Snape is like, what the heck am I doing? Like, why am I helping Harry freaking Potter? Because I basically despise his existence many a times. But mm-hmm. overall, it gave the idea that it doesn't matter the mistakes you made. You could all, It's never too late to turn around and do something good. Yeah. No, I, I definitely I agree with both of those. I honestly think that there's so many characters from Harry Potter, and I found it very hard not to just continue listing it. I think that's a testament to that right. series. You could pick any of them. I think for Hermione yeah. Granger, it's definitely, I think, girls in particular growing up, were given a lot of messaging about not being smart, like, or at least being smart, but not being outward with our smartness because sometimes they can intimidate boys or we can come right. across as annoying or abrasive. So mm-hmm. for many people, for many pe- women who saw themselves as being smart, Hermione Granger was like, wow, like this is a character that I can relate to um, because it is hard to be smart and a girl in school. Um, and 
Snape is a monumental character because you can have the best debates about him. And it's that complexity where people can kind of, based on their experiences or based on their moral frame, you can look at Snape from so many different angles and have some different takes on him. And he's just a very complex character. Um, and then I added Ron Weasley because personally for me, um, the story of myself, I have definitely, I'm the youngest of my entire family. And so I've always compared myself with my older brother and my older cousins um, and always had a hard time trying to figure out what my niche was going to be or how I was going to stand out. And I always had friends who did better at things than I did because I have ADHD and so school was always a struggle for me. Um, and so trying to figure out myself in that world. And so there's just so many things about Ron Weasley that I really sung to the, the steady person who will be there, not get everything perfect all the time, but that he has something amazing about him that he doesn't see in himself. And sometimes that thing that is so needed for the trio doesn't get called out because it's not as flashy as being the most intelligent witch in the world or being the boy who has to save everyone, which is Harry Potter. Right. Um, so Ron Weasley for me has always been it. And I also love, love Luna Lovegood. I wore Ravenclaw uh, gear at work um, the other day because it was Luna Lovegood's birthday. Um, because I just, I enjoy the idea of being intelligent like Ravenclaw doesn't have to look like a straight lace A student who follows the book and does the linear way of exploring the world. You can also be unique and eccentric and believe in the impossible and be curious and wondrous about the world and still be that intelligent Ravenclaw. Um, so I love Luna Lovegood as well. And nice. we got a couple of you um, who recommended things um, for a couple of Harry Potter characters as well. Professor McGonagall got a shout out for um, her integrity, being kind, being brave, and being a badass. I agree. Professor McGonagall is pretty amazing. And Vicky, who helps us out with our talk murder to me, um, said Lord Voldemort. It was <laughs> It was very minimalist. She said, Lord Voldemort, deep and interesting story, period. <laughs> and it's true. Lord Voldemort has so much depth to him. Um, and Tom Riddle's story and how he comes to become the person that he is and his transformation from being a messed up boy, a messed up tragic boy who is unloved and an orphan to transforming himself to someone who who basically lost his humanity or whatever humanity he had when he was younger um, is definitely an interesting story. So Lord Voldemort, definitely an iconic character, especially an iconic villain. All right. Now that we've gotten Harry Potter out of the way, because I saw so many Harry Potter characters, I figured we should just do them all at once. <laughs> um, what are some other character? What is another character that really, that really stands out to you? Um, one of my favorite books and favorite movies is The Help, and um, Skeeter and Abilene are two characters in that story that I really, really love. Um, Skeeter is white, and she decides she's going to write this book from the view of The Help, um, <laughs> totally against, like, all kinds of rules and like what people would recommend she be doing with her time right. um, back in that day. And um, Abilene is, I don't know. Abilene's character was, it was, she was strong. She had lost her child um, to the race war. Um, she, um, she, she took care of little white babies and, um, treated them like her own, even though she knew they were going to grow up to treat her just like their their parents did, which was next to nothing, like she was dirty. I just love the strength of those characters and uh, what they stood for. Uh, even now, you know, with, I mean, we still have race issues, in my opinion, and uh, just what they stand for, that it's okay, even in the hardest of times, it's okay to stand up for what you believe in. So those, that's sure. one of my favorites. 
And I've only seen the movie, so I can't speak to the book, but I remember those characters really standing out to me in the movie as well. All right. Um, another character for me I have to mention is Joe March from Little Women. Um, she kind of like with Hermione, um, but in a different way. Um, she always came – she was a character that I really appreciated because she was super smart and also tomboyish for her time period. And I just loved her imagination and her dedication to her family and to her craft of writing and just just something about her as a character I've always felt connected to. And I think that in terms of a bigger concept, I also got a couple other people who mentioned Joe March. And Joe March is on a lot of the, um, the lists that people put out on magazines and movies and stuff. So... Um, Joe Marks is definitely a iconic character that has stand the test of time, literally for hundreds, for more than a hundred years. I agree. Um, I think any of the, the characters on Little Women could easily be on this list, depending on how yeah, you relate sure. to them. Yeah, and your personality, Absolutely. definitely. Absolutely. Uh, All right, so what's another one? Okay, another one, I'm going to say Liesl from The Book Thief. Um, And I saw the movie before I read the book, and of course they're slightly different, but I will say um, Liesl's character is, I mean, she's a a little girl, and um, she... She, she's just strong. And it's, again, I think why I relate to Skeeter and Abilene in The Help is she does mm-hmm. things that are not okay in society's terms um, that could get her in serious trouble. Um, and her belief in a really dark world, because we're talking about, like, Nazi invasion. Um, yeah. I mean, she, she goes to school. She wears the emblem on her sleeve because she's required to. Um, but she steals books and she helps her family hide a Jew and these are all things that a little girl would normally be scared for, but she's not scared. Um, I mean, I'm sure she is scared, but she's that her, her need to do the right thing overrides the, the, the fear. Um, so yeah. I don't know. Her, Doesn't matter I feel like her, her character. Exactly. I feel like girls everywhere could relate or could, you know, learn something from her boys. I mean, anyone, adults, at this point, mm-hmm. um, I just she was just a very strong and emotionally driven character, in my opinion. That's very cool. I need to read the book, Thief. It's been on my list forever. It just hasn't happened, but I need to. And the more that you talked about her, the more that is, that's probably going to be the next thing that I read. <laughs> um, so I'm going to do this as a two-parter because I really think that these things can't be separated it's kind of like the doctor who and the master um the dodgers and the giants they're one of the two things the other you need the other in order for the other one to be good because they thrive on each other and that is the adventures of sherlock holmes uh sherlock holmes and professor moriarty um i love sherlock holmes it was probably one of the first things that i read in high school that i was like man i'm really into this because he's just he's First of all, he is very mean, very condescending, Sherlock Holmes. Um, not your usual protagonist, but his mind works in such insane ways that it always captured my imagination. And it never seemed like anyone could outwit him until Professor Moriarty, um, who is his arch nemesis in some of the later stories of the adventures of Sherlock Holmes. And he just over does things and forces Sherlock Holmes to be uncomfortable and it's just really fun to read Um, and of course it's been captured in TV shows as well as movies just the the brain power between Holmes and Moriarty is just it's just they're just great characters I can't get enough of them to be honest I wish that there was more Sherlock Holmes stories with them because they're just fun yeah I agree um I don't know. I've I've never got really really into um, the Sherlock Holmes things, 
But I will say I know a lot of people that really strongly related or I guess connected with those characters. Yeah, so. for sure. And also like it's it's there's time period writing. So like for instance you could like Jane Austen stories, but because they're written in a certain time period, it's really hard to get to the relatability. Um, and so there's people yeah. who love Jane Austen's era. Um, and I would say the same thing for Sherlock Holmes. It's a certain era of writing that some people really enjoy and some people have a hard time with. And it has nothing to do with being smarter or not. It's just like a different kind of writing style that you either enjoy or you don't. So totally makes sense. Most people who like Sherlock Holmes don't like Sherlock Holmes because of the books. They like it because of the TV shows and the movies um, that are based on the books because it's just easier to see the relatability of those characters when you have it on screen right. versus the old-timey writing. Yeah. Alright, so yeah. what is your last character? My last one that I could really think of, and there's so many characters, but I tried to pick ones that I really strongly related to or felt they were, they stood above the rest. Um, it was Kaya Clark in Where the Crawdads Sing, which is a book we've talked about a lot because it's on the list all the time. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, her character was, I, I think she was such a monumental character because she survived. And that seems like such a simple thing. But in her instance, um, she literally had nothing. She would eat, like, different types of grass and make them into soups if she needed to. Um, she survived a lot of negativity and torture from the area she lived in um, because she was considered swamp trash. And yeah. I just really, I mean, she uneducated, et cetera, but she grew up to be able to fend for herself and make decent money and I don't know it was just her story in general I feel like showed the strength of a person far beyond their means Um, and I just I really felt that when I was reading that story like wow I would not have made it if I was her Um, and I think that says a lot for you know for us nowadays yeah for sure a character that impresses is definitely a character that is monumental. Um, The last character that I want to share in terms of the non-villain is Annabeth Chase from the Percy Jackson series. I love Rick Warden. I'm in the middle of trying to read all of his things because I love his writing and his storytelling. Um, And Annabeth Chase, kind of on the same lines as Hermione as well, is just a super smart Badass, maybe a little bit different in Hermione in that she can cut someone, but literally. Um, and I just always loved her as a character, and I'm so glad that she makes appearances not just in Percy Jackson or Percy J- Jackson and the Olympians, but also Magnus Chase, um, which is a different series that's um, about someone who's related to her. So she gets to pop in in that series a lot, too. She's just a very grounded, very smart very brave and very strategic character. She is what you expect a demigod of Athena to be. She is, she's amazing. So that would be my pick. All right, Kristen, I have a challenge right. for you. Oh Lord, that challenges. <laughs> Who is your villain? Your monumental villain? My favorite villain? villain? Oh God. Yes. Monumental villain. I'm unprepared. Um, I have an answer, but I'm not. Yeah, I do. You go. Okay. So my monumental villain is not your usual pick. Lord Voldemort was already taken, so that was that felt good. Um, So the one that I picked was Big Brother from 1984. He's not really a villain, but he's an idea. So in case you haven't read 1984, he's a, he is the fascist dictator of this Oceania uh, world. And you don't really get to see him too much because he's more someone you ta- who's talked about. But he's setting up this world in which people 
are being controlled and the language is changing and people are seeing things but not realizing it's true and it's just kind of like a distorted thing and I think he's a villain Mm -hmm. that we need to remind ourselves of uh, because we often think that fascism is in the past, like it's something that happened a while ago and we've learned our lessons. I don't think we've learned our lessons and fascism is always something that we should be worried about. Um, and so Big Brother is definitely a, a villain that makes you think about a lot of things. So that's my villain. How about yours? Oh, this is so hard. There's so many good villains. <laughs> <laughs> um, God, this is hard. I mean, like, I don't want to be cliche, mm-hmm. but I see. I want. I'm gonna go Harry Potter, but I'm not gonna go Voldemort because I'm I so don't glad. believe I he really deserves. No, I don't think Vold. I mean, Voldemort's a great villain, I guess, but he's not that interesting of a villain. I'm going to go with Draco Malfoy because he's definitely a villain. That's not where I thought you were going. You surprised me. Where did you think I was going? Umbridge. Oh, God. She's terrible. She's like Bessie Devos in freaking Potterland. Yes. Ugh, she's terrible. I argue Maybe. all the time. It, she the worst villain than Harry Potter. <laughs> she, she was, she was, I will say she was probably the worst villain. But yeah. monumental, I don't want to give her that crown because you're not <laughs> that important, Umbridge. Um, but I give it to Draco because he was terrible. Let's not, let's call it fate of fate. He was terrible. But there were so many different layers to him that I mean, it, they've asked Tom Felton, who played him, you know, is there any chance, like, at the end, he kind of hesitated to go to Voldemort. It Was he really bad? And you're like, maybe. And Tom Felton was like, no, nah, he was bad, I promise. But he was monumental in an aspect that, like, he did question himself enough that made you question, was he really that bad? But then he'd turn and do something terrible again, and you're like, oh, right, yeah, he's bad. But, yeah, yeah. I do hate Umbridge. <laughs> um, I, Umbridge is probably the, the one that – she will come up in one of my my things later. Um, but some of the others that people have told us about uh, is Claire from Outlander was mentioned uh, because she's kick-ass, strong, and supportive. Um, Anne Elliott from Persuasion at the Jane Austen novel, uh, because she is reflective, loyal, constantly growing, and tries to do what's best. And I do like Anne Elliott. Persuasion is one of my favorite Jane Austen books. Um, Mary Russell, um, which is Sherlock Holmes' wife series by Laura R. King. Uh, She has a compelling backstory and a wonderful personality. And if you're into Sherlock Holmes, those books are amazing. Um, Diane from the Immortal series because she is compassionate, stubborn, and powerful. Horatio Hornblower from C.S. Forrester series. He has strength of purpose. Winnie the Pooh because of longevity, lessons, and kindness. Um, Sydney Carton's Tale of Two Cities. And Roland Deschin from the Dark Tower series because he's compassionate, stubborn, and powerful. What I've noticed is that the word powerful comes up quite a bit. <laughs> we like some powerful characters. We like some powerful characters. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Um, I just, can I, I want to throw out, I know we're running short on time, but I did post this and I had a couple of people throw out some interesting, one of them I found super interesting was David Copperfield. Mm-hmm. Strange. Um, Atticus Finch. Yeah. Um, and that's one of those, like, was it because we were forced to read it type of thing? Um, Definitely. Um, I got someone threw out some kids' stories where um, Charlie from Flowers for for Algernon. I don't know what that is, but Very cool. shout out there. Um, any character from Jane Austen was one recommendation. Any character, Scarlet O'Hara. Whatever Jane Austen writes. <laughs> right. Any of the characters in those books. 
Um, okay. Yeah, so a few different ones that we hadn't heard of. Very cool. All right, so Kristen, I have a couple of things that I want to ask you before we wrap up. Oh, God. Okay. What is a fictional character that you would like to slap? And that it could like be slap? That you want to slap. That's a good one. I want to slap. Um, God, so many. Um, okay, so there's a character in the perfect series that I'm reading. It's uh, their lieutenant. Her name is Overbeck, and she is terrible. And every time she opens her mouth, I'm just like, somebody hit her. So I would probably smack her. I would pick Umbridge. I, that was my original. When I came up with that question, I was like, man, Umbridge – Everything about her just makes me want to slap her. She is a disgusting human being. Who is I'm a character there. that you would really like to, like, get a drink with and talk to you about anything? Is there anyone that you just like to have a conversation with? Um, oh, man. Why do you ask these hard questions? Um, get a drink. There's so many. I mean, I, would, I think I would want to pick the brains of someone from like the the Nazi invasion time frame just somebody mm. on the good side just to see like what they were feeling because I mean we, we hear uh-huh. from survivors who've already and Frank things like that but like just yeah. to pick their brain for every little thing like could you do this how did you feel about doing this how was this what did you feel when somebody was trying to help you and you know that they're risking yeah. their lives for that. Um, so maybe someone from like uh, the, the lead character in the book, a fire, uh, a fire sparkling, um, or like Liesel from um, the book thief, someone like that. I would love to sit and have a drink with. Very cool. I think mine would probably be Sherlock Holmes, just because he's a weird human being. So I would love That's to have hours of conversation about life. Um, who is your fictional boyfriend? Oh, my fictional boyfriend. Mm. Most people say Darcy. Oh, no. No, see, I'm not a fan. Um, oh, my God. You go first. Who's your fictional boyfriend? Probably Juan Weasley. Oh, I love me the wrong. He's like the ginger. I don't know. Um, I don't like. I also say that he's most relatable to me, so I don't know if that's like a new form of, re- of like narcissism. But I would <laughs> probably be wrong. <laughs> I'd be wrong in so many ways. Um, <laughs> I oh, who would I? Yeah. Why do I? My brain just goes straight to Harry Potter. <laughs> Like, who do I want to you marry? Keep thinking about it. Who do I want to kill? A Harry Potter, a Potter character. <laughs> you give me I'm an answer. I'm going to get back to that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I will, uh, some nerdy obsession that we cannot get rid of. My nerdy obsession is definitely The Legend of Korra. I just finished The Last Airbender, so I'm restarting a rewatch of Legend of Korra, uh, which is a Nickelodeon um, animated series that is super cool. And speaking of fascism, there's lots of fascism in that show. So do you have yours? I'm, you don't even need to say nerdy obsession. You just need to give me a fictional boyfriend. <laughs> oh, you're so mean. Um, <laughs> can I pick two <laughs> at the same sure. time? <laughs> Why um, not? I would pick either of the Weasley twins. Okay. I love them. I don't know why they're goofy, but they're caring, and I love them, and I just want to keep them forever. I'll take either apparently, one, whichever one wants me. Apparently, the Weasleys won the dating game in this episode. Right. I got it. Nailed. That is, that is all the time we have. Um, so a couple things before we go. We want feedback on what to discuss in the world of nerdum. so please give us feedback on either by tweeting, tweeting us on at talknerdy underscore radio um, we promise we'll listen um, as we always like ideas. Also follow w.nerdprobs.com for articles and blogs and reviews. Join our book club on Facebook called Just One More Chapter. We will be back on Wednesday at 6 p.m. time, 9 p.m. Eastern time for Talk Politics to Me. Um, and we will be back next Monday for Music and Movies where we will be talking about the worst movies of all time. 
and discussing all the latest music and movie trends and news. All right, did I forget anything? Nope. All right, we will see you next time um, and have a wonderful rest of your week. Thank you. Bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.